Hey friends, Chaz Robbins here, producer of The Pastor's Table. Thanks for joining us in the new year. In our last episode of 2023, we mentioned that we are doing a listener survey. We designed The Pastor's Table to be a place where pastors can come together to share stories and unity around what theological integrity looks like in your context. That's why we would love to hear from you on our listener survey. Many of you have already shared helpful insights and suggestions on what you'd like to hear more of on the Pastor's Table podcast. The survey will be available until the end of this month, January 2024. Just go to our website, thepastorstable.com, and click Take Listener Survey. Again, the website is thepastorstable.com to take the survey and join the conversation. Thanks again for joining us for another year on the Pastor's Table. Enjoy today's episode. From Northern Seminary and the Center for Theological Integrity, this is the Pastor's Table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The Pastor's Table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome back to the Pastor's Table. I'm Tara Beth Leach. And I'm Mark Quanstrom. And here we are. It is 2024. We've had a little bit of downtime to rest, to be with our families, uh, to minister during a very, very busy and full Christmas uh, Advent season. And we are so excited about diving into the new year. We have so many wonderful conversations mapped out. Um, we believe that this is going to be our best year yet. Oh, yeah. We're excited about it. Uh, it's it's hard. We, we mentioned this at the end of the last year. We, it's hard to believe it's been a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, 53 episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope to do 52, 53 this year mm-hmm. and uh, be prompt with them. Bring them out on Monday mornings, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Easily digestible, easily to listen to. On a, on the day that most pastors are thinking, maybe I should find another job. So right. as right. a way of encouraging pastors. Um, we introduced ourselves last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a pastor at Christ Church in Oak Brook. And I was doing the Center for Theological Integrity out of Northern and pastoring College Church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now what are you doing? Oh, man. Um, I'm still pastoring College Church, mm-hmm. fortunately. Um, it's uh, been a good year. It's been a hard year. Uh, yep. We'll get into that in a, middle, in a little bit. But um, in June, in May or June, May, uh, I was asked to be the dean of Northern Seminary, and I yeah. didn't see that coming. No, at all. Um, so, and Northern has had its own adventure. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm still pastor College Church, and now dean of Northern, uh, leading faculty and participating in the reinvention or the reformation or the redemption of Northern, however you mm-hmm, want to say it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're still a pastor. I'm still a pastor. Yes, I'm still a pastor. But as our listeners know, I am no longer the pastor at Christ Church in Oak Brook, but I'm now the senior pastor at Good Shepherd Church in Naperville, Illinois. And it has been quite the thrill. I had an amazing honeymoon. Wait, wait, wait. You had an amazing honeymoon? I had. No, you you still have a honeymoon. Uh, I think it's over. (laughs) No way. How long was your honeymoon? You know, okay, let's see. Um, You're going to have to edit this out because I actually need to count March, April, May, June, July, August, 
September, October, November. You got to figure out when it ended. Okay, I've been there ten months. It ended in Oct. <laughs> it ended in like November. November, your honeymoon ended. My honeymoon. Ended. Oh, they got all aggravated at you and you no know, longer want your want you as the no, pastor. No, I mean no. I have so much support <laughs> from the congregation, but every you know every pastoral uh, role within yeah. a church, you have to a degree a really wonderful honeymoon phase. You do. Hopefully, yeah, you know, and and during that season, um, it's it's sweet. Every, everyone's so excited, right. you know. It's yeah. Um, I I'm so excited about them. They're so excited about me, and the the future is so bright and hopeful. And we're just excited. And we all just love each other so much. Oh, that's a great time in the church's life. It is a great right? time in the church's no, it's, life. It's a pretty valuable. Yeah. You know, it was a little scary for me, though, because yeah. I did not really get that kind of honeymoon in Pasadena. Well, and you've heard me say to you, I'm amazed that you were willing to step into the senior pastor role again. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Because you didn't have that at Pasadena. Right. Right. Okay. D- did you have a, a day honeymoon? Did you have a week honeymoon in Pasadena? Oh, yeah. I mean, Maybe I absolutely. I think the interesting thing about Pasadena is there were, you know, two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There was a season of honeymoon at the same time. There was a season of hardship and heartache. Oh, Huh. You know, it's it's there was there was a a pretty large part of the congregation in Pasadena that was thrilled okay. that I was there. Right. You know, I can remember one Sunday walking out, even at the same time, really hard things were happening. Um, you know, an older gentleman, pillar in the church, came up to me and he said, "You know, we're going to get through this very soon. We are going to be building a parking garage to fit all the cars." Wow. <laughs> uh, so there were there were plenty of people that were excited. The difference now is that it was majority of the people. I mean, so just to put things into context, when I went to Pasadena, uh, it was an eighty-one percent vote of affirmation, which I don't. I don't know if we've talked about that we on did. this podcast. Okay, we did. right. That, you, yeah, that's good for women pastors. Yeah, it's good for women pastors. Right. Oh, you got to take it because yeah, ninety-eight percent of vote of affirmation for Good Shepherd. That's a big deal. As a, yeah. And, you know, there's never been any conversation about gender or age. And, I mean, the, the joy, you can just, it is so palpable. The joy, and that you've you visited. I mean, oh, yeah, there's it was just great. I loved it. So much joy, so much energy. It yeah. was a sweet, sweet time. It still is a sweet time. I love this congregation more than ever, in part because of what we've been through together over the last couple months, which we're going to talk about. All right. It has only grown and deepened my pastoral love for them. And it is, it's this, this, this feeling of, you know, when you're in a marriage, Jeff and I have been married almost 18 years. Yeah. Can you believe that you officiated our wedding 18 years ago? Uh, no, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> There's no way it was that long ago. 18 months ago. <laughs> it was, I remember it. I still, I mean, I can, yeah, I can remember almost every part of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and Jeff and I, I look back. At some of the seasons of marriage that we have been through, and we had some hard seasons. Yeah, oh, we, we had we, some hard seasons. We didn't talk about the impact on the stress on your marriage that Pasadena was. Oh, oh, oh! We didn't. We've never <laughs> talked about the stresses on marriage <laughs> oh, that churches bring. It was the absolute. Okay, lowest, we got to talk about that. Sometime. It was the absolute lowest season of our marriage. Was when I was in Pasadena, well, yeah, well, so but what, I don't blame that on the church. Do? Yeah, I don't blame it on the church. Um, 
I think it's it's more complex than that. It was just so hard, and I had never experienced that kind of hardship before as a pastor, and I didn't handle it well. And so that got me into therapy, praise the Lord. And so I, I'm a very different person now. Right. But what, what I was going to say is, Jeff and I, we, we look back at those seasons, and because we went through them together and we made it to the other right. side, our love is right. so much greater. Right. You know, you just I just look at Jeff sometimes and I'm like, do you know what we have been through together? The storms that we right. have wavered together. And so when I look at Good Shepherd and I, I think about pastoring this church for the long haul, I think, wow, we just we have just wavered a storm. Weathered together. a storm? Yes. Is that the word? What Weather. weathered? Yeah, no worries. <laughs> No worries. Okay, anyone who's listening to this podcast that knows me, they're saying, yep, that's on brand. She makes some words and makes up phrases. Uh, it's, wow. Well, it was called, no, never mind. Never yep. mind. Is that all right? Uh, we we weathered. weathered. We weathered, weathered a storm. The storm. Weathered the storm. <laughs> wavered. Yeah, well, you can waver a storm. Oh, gosh. Quick side story. Christmas Eve services. We had seven services, and it was yeah, it was, and I was sick. It was absolutely amazing, and I, you know, the first part of the service is for me is always the most nerve wracking. Mm -hmm. You know, you look out, it's busting, you know, at the seams, which you don't always have as a pastor on Sunday mornings, and I was so nervous. It was my first First Christmas Christmas Eve, Eve, and I said something that I didn't even realize I said, and someone caught a clip of it and sent it to me oh, to look. Don't you love and I that? said I said, Good morning, you know, good morning on this Christmas Eve. I am just joyed and overthrilled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I am joy and that was when my honeymoon ended. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm joyed and overthrilled. Well that I'm, does work. I'm joyed and overthrilled. <laughs> we should be more joyed. I want oh, yes. oh man, it's so good. So I'm joyed and overthrilled for twenty twenty four in this new season and you know but Sweet. no okay so back to the church i we we we've been through a really hard couple of months all right wait wait when did you go to the neighborville okay i went in march march so in yep, march middle of so march you're, you're 10 months 10 in. months uh-huh. 10 months in all of a sudden you're weathering a storm yeah which you know the storm was beaten on the windows. All right. Am I using the right phrase? Did, yes. It, but, okay. So it didn't blindside you. It did not blindside me. You knew it was coming. Me. I knew it was coming. But still. Yep. So just a little bit of context. And this is a conversation I have to navigate carefully. Okay. Because I, you know, I don't want to throw any system mm-hmm. or organization under the bus. Right. Um, and we're still navigating this. Like we're in the thick of it still. We've crossed a major, major threshold and barrier and um, we're hopeful. But Let's just back into this a little bit. Yeah. Um, so people who don't know are going, what, when yeah, yeah. what went on at Good So Shepherd? let's talk about what went on this last Sunday. Uh, and, and as we're recording this, this is yesterday. So this is fresh, hot yeah. off the press. All right. Um, our congregation voted yesterday to disaffiliate from its denomination and to affiliate with another denomination. Wow. I don't know even how you, know, I don't even know how you lead a congregation through that. Well, you know, it was tricky because it wasn't me leading it. I was shepherding people as our church council was leading it, as our church leadership was leading it. So just to give a little bit more context, this is something that has been actually brewing within the church 
for over a decade. Okay. So this was a conversation the church was having when you were on staff. Correct. Correct. That's why you weren't blindsided by it. That's why I wasn't blindsided. Right. It was it was always, you know, a possibility. The pastors, you know, would say, oh, well, you know, and maybe it's just only a matter of time before we finally decide to disaffiliate or leave the denomination. And things, you know, really came to a head uh, within the first four months of of me being there as her pastor. And there had been many, many symptoms in the decades leading up to the moment, but there was, you know, with any symptom uh, of a sickness, you have like one final symptom that you said, that's it, we need to do something different. That's what happened to us this summer. So just to give some context, our, our denomination is, is the product of many, many mergers, right? Okay. And the church was, when it was planted uh, in the 80s, it was part of a denomination that had a polity that was very congregational. Okay. Okay. And in the 90s, it merged with another dom- denomination, um, both Lutheran denominations. And that particular dom- denomination had more of a top-heavy okay. hierarchy. All right. Okay. And when Good Shepherd merged, they said, well, we, I mean, this is not who we are. We're congregationally led, but let's see how it goes. Okay. okay. And then eventually, like fast forward a few years after that, uh, the denomination embraced something called the Historic Episcopate. Now, I'm not here to critique right. the Historic Episcopate. Right. I think that for many churches, this is a wonderful model. Mm-hmm. It was not a model that was working well for Good Shepherd Church, and it was not a model that made sense for our church. So there wasn't a cultural fit. If your church was congregational... There was not a cultural yeah, fit. Yeah, and so to have then imposed from the top down... And things were getting more and more imposed from the top uh, down, and it was creating a lot of tension. And so, you know, eventually, you know, we fast forward to this summer, and, and by the way, a lot of this is related to pastoral supply. Okay. Oh, sure. In an episcopate, uh, the bishop or mm-hmm. DS uh, must approve. Approves or appoints. Uh, right, right, right. And 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 if it's not approved or appointed, then the bishop will lay the groundwork for the 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 person who's not. So so when I came on board, I was technically not a senior pastor. Wait, wait. When this church called you mm-hmm. to be the senior pastor, when Good uh-huh. called you, mm-hmm. you weren't. Legally, the senior pastor. I'm still not until next week. You're not the senior pastor of Good Shepherd? I am the senior minister. So so you're not... (laughs) (laughs) I am the senior minister. No, and it got really wild and really gnarly. Uh, so, Do you get in trouble if they call you pastor? No, they, the church the church eventually just kind of said, you're a pastor, you're a senior pastor. And... Okay, but this was a decision made by the Episcopate mm-hmm. that you're not Correct. a senior pastor because why weren't you the senior pastor? Correct. And I, and I was um, not only not the senior pastor, but I was um, not under the care of the bishop. And so the bishop had no interest in connecting with me. Um, why weren't you the senior pastor? Because uh, in the eyes of this denomination, um, I, I not only was I 
Well, I wasn't or, I wasn't ordained or ordained. Okay. So you were And so but all Could of be. this comes down to a pastoral supply issue. So the church had been looking for a pastor for a couple of years. Well, there's over 600 openings in this denomination. And and so the pastoral supply issue is really significant. Not only that, but Good Shepherd Church is a really unique church culturally. Very unique. The bishop even said it himself in a, in a recent call multiple times that our church is very, very unique. And so finding a pastor that, that is the right cultural fit um, was challenging. And so eventually, after two years of searching, the church said, we've, we've got to do something. I'm sorry, one year of searching. Uh, the church said, we've got to do something different. We need to open, open things up. So the, so the bishop was suggesting pastors. <laughs> Correct. Well, the way that it works is that the church is not the only way that the church can interview a pastor is if it comes from the bishop. Okay, you're right. Okay. You can't you can't right. reach out across right. to other synods. It right. must come because there's uh, bishops don't play well together. Right. So you can't call you know a pastor in Missouri. Right. Um, it has to only come from the bishop. Okay. And so so eventually the. Uh, Bishop agreed to let the, the church look outside of the bounds of uh, what the b- bishop was bringing. Well, lo and behold, they bring in a Nazarene girl. Yeah, this this church that's congre- that's culturally congregational in polity uh-huh. thinks they have the authority to call a pastor, mm-hmm. and the bishop says, "No, you that. don't have Correct. the authority to call a pastor." That's right. And the church says, "Yeah, but we need permission," and the bishop finally acquiesces. And they call you. And they call me. And so the bishop does acquiesce, and they call me. And uh, it became quite, whew, quite the scene, if you will. Um, so, well, right. And you know what put the bishop between a rock and a hard place? He said, yes. Well, then other pastors from other churches start calling and oh. saying, how did you let this happen? How, how did you allow this to happen um, when there's all these pastors that have served so much time oh, and have been waiting I in line to be at a church like this. How did you let this happen? I guess so, just anybody can pastor this church, huh? Right, right. I mean, yeah, so yeah if they I'm let anybody pastor, in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know what I mean, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, so in their mind, they've been faithful to their mm-hmm, tradition, mm-hmm, they're theologically... Right. Right. In line with it, right. they've been doing their time. Maybe it's the and golden girl, church, golden boy, like and then and it's, churches then it's, out there, and all of a sudden, this Nazarene, this Nazarene girl who went to a Baptist seminary, is the pastor of a Lutheran mm-hmm, church. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, I was I was baptized in the ALC. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Lutheran Church. Oh, man. Oh, yep. there's a whole theology there. So I was there. baptized in the Lutheran denomination. I was confirmed in the Lutheran oh, denomination. Can, oh, once you're Lutheran, you're always a Lutheran. Yeah, you know, and I think that <laughs> as I reflect on my faith journey, I don't think I genuinely really affirmed my faith until I was 15, 16 sure, years old. I get that. Um, but, you know, and, and as I have, like, dove into Lutheran theology, what's not so love? Oh, sure. Oh, what is yeah. not to love? And so I have embraced it and am thrilled to be leading a church and teaching Lutheran theology and worship and always was. And I'm, you know, so, so, but it became really political. So there was something, so, right. and where it became political was 
on serving sacraments and um, wearing stoles. You're not ordained in the Lutheran Church. And so I could not perform sacraments. Uh, And so the bishop, uh, you know, outlined a pathway for me to be ordained and said, okay, you know, once you're a candidate, then we'll allow you to do, we'll give you synodical authorization to perform the sacraments. Okay. Were you going to be ordained in the Lutheran Church? Yes. You were going to? Yes, correct. Oh, happily. So you were willing to take that route? I was willing to do anything for a church that I love so much. Yeah. I yes. mean, I was, yeah, like, I I, meaning, I, get it. I don't mean anything, no, no, but no, I, I loved, it. I was doing it for Good Shepherd. Correct. If, you know, if... Well, if, you had served there. Yeah, it was my family. Yeah. And so, so I go through this candidacy process, go through all the hoops, and we said, okay, like, can we have a six-month backlog of people waiting to baptize our children, our babies? So you didn't baptize? Mm-mm. <clears throat> nope. And... Well, that's... Yeah, you can't wait to baptize babies. No, you can't. So we, we had so we had other we had an interim pastor that was performing baptisms. But some people said, "Well, we don't know him. Right? We want our pastor right. to do this." Um, and so what ended up happening where it ultimately there's just a lot of gory details, but where it became really political was when the bishop came in and said, "You know what? Nope. Like we we know that we told you that we would give you synodical authorization to perform the sacraments." Um, once you go through these hoops, but actually now we're not going to give you synodical authorization unless you hire another pastor within our denomination. At that point, we had already called another pastor who was not from that denomination. Right. Yep. And then they came back with another email and said, not only will we not give Terabest synodical authorization, but the new pastor that you have called will not be given the same opportunity for rostering. So they they uh, started doing they started getting heavy handed. Got real heavy handed, real political. So they were going to rescue their church from you. Yes. Yep. That's right. That's right. This is like the Reformation in like a couple months. Right here at your church. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so our church launched a study team of. I mean, wow. Pillars in the church were in the study team. I mean, founding members, uh, formal council presidents. Um, so they they went through this study process, presented it to the church council. The church council voted to leave, and oh my goodness! So we had uh, from November to um, mid January, where where we are now, we had ten town hall meetings. Oh, that's so much work, and that's so. Da- oh, some of those can be so. Scary. Ten town hall meetings. We how long were the um, meetings? Two hours each. No, no way. Mm-hmm. You had two hour town hall meetings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. And you know, some of them ended early at two, two fifteen. But um, you know, the church council developed a white paper. I mean, and you're talking like we're working with legal and uh, fielding countless emails. They developed an FAQ, and it got contentious at times. Um, there was, there were moments I remember just looking, I was like, Hey, I think the honeymoon ended. <laughs> so that's why you say the honeymoon ended. Honeymoon ended. Well, but that's all work in addition to all the rest of the work you have to do as a mm-hmm. pastor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was. Okay. So um, some of the folk in the church, um, are there because they want to be that tradition, Lutheran tradition. Yes. Right. Most of them, evidently not, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because most, I mean, 
Yeah, most majority of, vote. Yep. Majority vote. Um, and a lot of people, you know, it wasn't necessarily tied to the denomination. People just wanted to understand. Right. We had some people who were very married to the denomination. Right. Um, but those were few. Okay. The I think, you know, we just live in a world where there's always going to be distrust in um, councils and right. governmental bodies. Um, mistrust of institutions is at an all-time high, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and we're in a reactive culture. Oh, boy. Did you yeah. have a Facebook page? <laughs> no Facebook page. No Facebook page. And uh, I got, you know, I fielded some of the emails of hurt, frustrated, anxious, scared people. Our church council, they were the rock stars. Um, they fielded so many countless emails with, do I mean, just incredible diligence. And, um, you know, and I had a, the, the Thursday before the vote, we had a, Another meeting. This was in a town hall. Uh, this was something that we do occasionally called Shepherd's Heart Live, which uh, was born out of. Uh, I write an email to the congregation every week called right. the Shepherd's Heart. All right. And eventually, we said, you know what, we we want to create another space where um, I have the ability to lead and guide the congregation, and it can be open ended. So I, I've done this about five times since being the pastor, and it's a wonderful time for me to share my heart. So we had this Thursday night, and we had there were four of us pastors up there on the platform talking. And one of the things that I, I talked about is I uh, shared very vulnerably with the congregation um, that this was hard for me too, and I know it's hard for you. Uh, and it was, I think it was a moment for us. I was, for the first time, I hmm, let the congregation really see the human side of pastoring. Okay, so what are the internal self-challenges, the self-doubt that you had to wrestle with right. as you were moving through this whole thing? Right. I'm assuming that's how you got vulnerable. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, because a lot of it was... It, so, just, so what were you saying to yourself that wasn't true, but that mm-hmm. you were afraid was true? Yeah, okay, so some of the things that I was afraid was true is... Did I create this? Yeah. If you hadn't come, become the pastor, they would wouldn't, we be they wouldn't be doing through this? this. Yeah. Right. Is this my fault? Yeah. And some of the old narratives, you know, I sat in a counselor's couch in Pasadena and I said, I'm wrecking this church. And I thought, what if I'm wrecking another, another church. church? There's no way you're not thinking that yeah. because of what happened in Pasadena. Right. Maybe you wouldn't think that if Pasadena hadn't happened, but you already have a record. Yeah. You know, right? it's the Taylor Swift song. Like, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. Do, do you that's know that awful. Song? Yeah. That's no, I know. <laughs> but yeah. So, so, so those are the internal challenges mm-hmm. you're bet. Those the are the internal chan- challenges. And I, Boy, I, you know, and I, then I thought, what if this vote doesn't pass? I'm blacklisted from this denomination. Um, there's there's going to be no path. What if what if I don't get to pastor this church anymore? I love them so much. Oh, and you voted Sunday? Mm-hmm. And you didn't know, you had to kind of know that it was, it was gonna... an overwhelmingly positive vote. Right. But you didn't know that going in. No, I had no idea what to expect. No, really. You really had no idea. So you thought Sunday, maybe I'm not going to be the pastor of the church anymore. You needed a strong vote of affirmation. Yes. So even if it had passed, so I'm going to try to 
if it had passed but not strongly, that would have been problematic too. Correct. That would right. have been problematic too. Yeah. But I, you know. But you're thinking. I thought well, it this was could crash. Yeah, I someday. thought it could crash. I thought I just didn't know because, as a pastor, sometimes the angry voices, even though they're a small percent, sometimes we wonder: Is that everyone? Does everyone feel that way? The the negative and voice I focus on it is so loud. And if I were to go through my email inbox, and really like sort through the positive emails I got versus the negative. The positive emails far outweigh well, the negative, but I still focus on the negative. It's what we do. Mm-hmm. I I try to convince po- folk who never would be convinced. Yeah, I spend my time trying to convince those who it will never be convinced, and those that are on board that I should be investing in. Mm-hmm. Those who are with, I just presume take for granted. Yep. Oh, I have resolved over and over and over again in my ministry career: quit spending time with the naysayers. Spend time with those who are with you. Right. And it's not protection. It's just missionally, um, it's a missional imperative. Spend time Mm -hmm. with those who are with you. Right. Okay. So, all right. But in the other part of this is the negative people, the negative voices will will speak. Mm -hmm. Positive voices don't always speak. They don't always speak. That's right. I I mean, talk to any, any sound tech guy. Right. Or right. gal, right? Right. I mean, when the service right. goes well, they don't get a word and of the positive, Right. And the positive people who do speak are the people who have the actual gift of encouragement. Right? And those are the repeated emails you get. Like Correct. I, I mean, I'm sure you have people in your congregation where once a month, twice yes. a month, you can expect right. an email from right. Joe right. Johnson. Right. Pastor Mark, we are so glad you're our Correct. pastor. Yeah. Your sermon spoke to me. Right. Joe Johnson has the gift of encouragement and yeah. is just always going to think to do that. Yes. So, so, so you, so, so you hear the negatives and you've, I focus on them. Mm-hmm. I, I think, okay, I got to address it. Uh, a minority of the congregation is vocally supportive and encouraging. Yep. Yep. The majority of people are perhaps every bit mm-hmm. as supportive. They just right. don't express it. Right. Right. But that's, so, that's exactly it. Okay, but so what you wrestled, so you said this to the congregation on Thursday. What did yeah. you say to the congregation on Thursday? Well, I can tell you I didn't share that I was afraid I was going to wreck the church. Um, move. But, but what I did share is, you know, I, I think we should unpack it next episode. I think we'll have more time because there's a lot to unpack there. Well, there. This is this has been pretty um, amazing conversation. I mean, I didn't I didn't know most of this. I knew some of it. But, we just um, use the podcast to catch up on our lives. Yeah, I guess we do. <laughs> Thanks for listening in, everybody. Uh, but we, we've been sensing uh, that we ought to be talking a little bit more about our own journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been sensing that we ought to be talking about our own work and our own church. Yeah. And um, so I, was, I knew that uh, you were going through this process. And there's not a few people that will be interested in how you disaffiliate from a denomination. Yeah. And the story of maybe top-down leadership is not um, not that unique, yeah, even for those right. who embrace an Episcopal structure, right? Right. Um, but w- so what we thought the beginning of this year, we thought we ought to just start share a little bit of our journey from this mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. And um, we did send out a survey mm-hmm. uh, to folk who are listening, and we did hear from you. And one of the comments was, 
more inside baseball about your journey, evolution of beliefs, moments of profound change. And so for the next couple of podcasts, that's what we're going to be doing. Yeah. I'm going to be sharing about some of the challenges at College Church and mm -hmm. some of the true genuine sorrows and then some of the fun at Northern, we'll say, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> as, you know, as, as believers, we ought to be able to be confessional mm -hmm. and uh, without hurting others, be as honest and real as we possibly can be. Yep. And I mean, you are very willing to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, as you said, let's give what you shared with your congregation sufficient time next yeah. week. Let's do that. Well, friends, we can't we can't guess all the things that you are going through, all the things that you are navigating as a pastor. Um, but we're two pastors here sitting at a ta table that that know hardship, um, that know and maybe understand a lot of the fears that you feel. And so we're just grateful that you're leaning in with us um, to keep giving it another day. Right. Yeah, we do. The, I I do it a week at a time. Week at a time, just we keep it giving it another time. time. Yep. And uh, we're hoping this is a source of encouragement and strength mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. uh, we believe in pastoral ministry, as difficult as it is. Mm -hmm. We believe it's sanctifying. We believe it is a way that God is redeeming us, yep. even if yep. we don't like the way the redemption seems to be going. Right. So uh, next week we will hear more from Tara Bathin the journey she's been on at her church. Yeah. Until then. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord give you peace. Amen. <laughs> <laughs>